Before I begin today's podcast, I want to shout out my sponsor, Anchor.fm. If you've ever wondered about starting a podcast, now is the best time. Anchor.fm allows you to record, add music, transitions, and so much more. They'll even help you distribute your podcast to multiple platforms, all automatically. Anchor.fm. Try it today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are having a fantastic day and have had a fantastic weekend. You're watching Wicked Sources. I'm your host, Mike, broadcasting live from Los Angeles every single week. I try to bring you guys news, information, and alternative products that bring a little peace and comfort to your life for our awesome and beautiful community and culture of smokers, vapors, stoners, and all-around hippies. This week, we're going to cover some news and information that I came across. As you know, week after week, I go through my trusty Google feed and see what the hell is going on and try to find as much clarity as possible so that I can report on it properly and concisely. Of course, I'm not always going to be right, but the whole point is to try to find as much information and put the pieces together. So, let's begin. All right, this is one of the things that came across my feed, and it's relating to Kratom. So Political reported on this uh, just a couple of days ago. Global fight looms over Kratom, a possible opioid alternative. Let's see what the hell they're talking about here. We're going to do a quick overview of each of these things. Get out of here, cookies. So U.S. government has twice tried to classify Kratom as a controlled substance, but public outcry and pushback from Congress thwarted those efforts since 2016. We have been pushing back, and we've been pushing back harder and harder. If you guys do not know, you can follow the AKA American Kratom Association on Twitter. They are an advocate for every American out there that finds some kind of comfort from using Kratom. So 2017 survey of about 2,800 self described Kratom users in the U.S. showed that they're typically middle-aged and white and use the substance to treat the symptoms of anxiety, depression, pain, and opioid withdrawal. That's a very small number, 2,800. I know we're in the tens of millions of people now. There's, um, that was 2017. But by 2017, the Leaf of Faith, the Netflix documentary, was already out, and many, many people were discovering it at that point. I mean, by the hundreds of thousands, almost overnight. A World Health Organization meeting next week could determine the future of Kratom, a widely available herbal supplement, some tout as an alternative to opioid painkillers in the U.S. and elsewhere. Kratom, a plant indigenous to Southeast Asia, produces narcotic-like effects when smoked or taken in liquid or capsule form. Its advocates say the substance is a promising replacement for opioids that could help wean people who are addicted to those drugs which killed nearly 70,000 people in the U.S. in 2020. Gosh, that's a lot of people. Those claims have yet to be fully vetted by scientists. The U.S. government has twice tried to restrict Kratom's use by classifying it as a controlled substance, arguing it has high potential for abuse and no known medical benefit. But public outcry and pushback from Congress thwarted those efforts. Pushback by Congress? I mean, I don't know if that's accurate, more like the public outcry and the hundreds or thousands of representatives may have may have 
kind of change their mind because uh, Congress has been on board to uh, try to ban it as well. I mean, where do you think these decisions come from? Now, Kratom advocates suggest Washington is behind the WHO's interest and in an attempt to end run to end run the federal regula uh, regulatory process by taking the international route to finish what it could not accomplish domestically. Wow. So what are they saying? They're saying if we can get to the source and stop them from growing it and distributing it, then it won't make it to the U.S. But I know for a fact there are local growers here. One in, uh, I believe, one in Washington, um, one in Florida. So there are people who are trying to grow it here, even if they cut off Indonesia and that region or pass laws. I mean, we just heard it recently. Thailand, in my last uh, video, Thailand recently proposed legalizing it within their country. So the WHO is going to have to really push hard if they want to uh, get this thing banned globally. The U.S. or WHO scheduling the drug, is, uh, its proponents say, would create even more obstacles to studying it. Very much like cannabis, as it says here. Akin to complaints from domestic cannabis researchers who for more than 50 years were only allowed to study research-grade marijuana grown by um, federally approved facilities. Making this a prohibited substance is going to actually encourage people to go use more dangerous drugs, according to this professor. And I'm inclined to believe that. Let's move on. This is by Politico two days ago. I'm, of course, still interested in the cannabis story and what's going on with legalization. And as we see here, senators push attorney general for federal cannabis decrum. What else we got here a week ago? As I go through the list, I find a lot that's happening here. Two days ago, New Jersey Cannabis Commission will announce long-awaited licenses for new medical weed businesses. Congratulations, New Jersey residents. You'll finally have access to more stores. I remember what it was like here in California in the mid-2000s. There was only a handful um, all over Southern California, and it was very expensive to get a doctor's recommendation. But you fast forward, you know, 2007, 2008, uh, and it became way more affordable to get a recommendation. And um, the stores just started popping up left and right. Alabama Cannabis Coalition seeking legislation for recreational use of marijuana 14 hours ago. This is not bad. I mean, Alabama has long been uh, a very restricted type of state. Uh, restricted in the sense of, like cannabis and many other alternatives um what do we got here federal cannabis legalization bill in committee a week ago yeah there's a lot happening in this in as many different states are weighing their options they're all going to have to figure out how to proceed of course the most important is the federal laws i mean as of now some of you may know, and some of you may not know, but as of now, if you're a legal weed business in some form or fashion, though you are legal within your state, chances are you're not allowed to have a bank account. They will not give you one, especially if they find out what you're doing. They will shut you down. They will terminate that account. They will hold the funds for a period of time before they release it to you. 
research it, you will you will understand what I'm saying is to be true. Roundup. Today is a great day for New Yorkers who have been waiting for a medical cannabis program that meets the needs of patients everywhere. Wow, 35 minutes ago. Cannabis arrests dropped amid COVID, FBI says. Oh, this is interesting. Three weeks ago, I, I didn't even see this. Amazon says time has come for U.S. to legalize marijuana. I don't know, guys. You really want to believe Amazon? What are they fucking planning? That's what I would ask. Like, okay, you you guys feel that the time has come. Well, what is what is the commitment level of Amazon, and what are they planning in terms of participation? Gosh. That is a scary thought. Talk about monopoly. And that's pretty much it. Before we get started on the next story, I want to share with you guys something I came across. So we're going to take a quick break. How's it going, everybody? I'm really excited to bring you information on this. So a couple years ago, I spoke with somebody who let me in on this natural resin that they've been using for just general nutrition and health. And they said it was really, really helpful for them. And I was naturally curious. This is my department. This is the stuff that I like and am curious about all the time. So we, we spoke for at least a couple of hours and they try to give me as much information as possible. So recently I was able to find it, a reliable source to pick them up. So I did, I started testing them and I am going to do a review and uh, talk about where it comes from, how it's manufactured, various aspects, what people use it for. But today, I just wanted to inform you guys that I did find it. It's called Natural Shilajit. It's a resin typically found in the highest elevations of the Himalayan mountains. This resin is packed with minerals that the body needs. So now more than ever, I think people can really benefit from a product like this. If you're interested, give me a call or just hop on the site. Move on. So this was cannabis news for the last few days. Here we have vape regulations. So there was something here that I saw. This was really interesting to me, and I do want to read this. New York Times one week ago. Youth vaping declined sharply for second year. That's what the data shows. Let's see where the data came from specifically. Get out of here. Goddamn pop-ups. Now that it now that it has stopped selling most flavored pods, Juul has become far less popular with teens than brands offering disposable fruit and candy flavored devices. Holy moly, look at all those devices. Vaping and e-cigarette products on display in a store in New York. Since the decline occurred during the pandemic, researchers weren't sure if the data reflected a long-term trend. Teen use of electronic cigarettes fell sharply in 2021, the second consecutive year of big declines, according to the government's annual National Youth Tobacco Survey. This year, 11.3% of high school students reported that they currently vape, down from 19.6% in 2020, strikingly lower than the 27.5% reported in 2019, according to a report of the survey issued Thursday by the Centers 
for disease control and prevention. Even with the drop, the survey found that more than 2 million high school and middle school students were currently using e-cigarettes. And because the declines came during the pandemic, some public health experts questioned whether the data really signaled a change in youth vaping trends over the long term. E-cigarettes came on the market in the United States in the early 2000s. Devices designed to give smokers the nicotine fix they craved without the carcinogens that come from burning cigarettes. But they began to catch on with teenagers who had never smoked. And in 2018, the FDA warned of an epidemic of vaping among teenagers who were becoming addicted to nicotine through e-cigarettes. In a statement, the director of the FDA uh, said that the new data remained concerning, particularly the popularity of flavored e-cigarettes, which were banned by the Trump administration but remain on the market in certain forms because of a loophole. According to the report, nearly 85% of youth e-cigarette users said they used flavored products. The most common flavors were fruit flavors, but also included candy, mint, and menthol, which is consistent with prior years. We are currently disturbed by the quarter of high school students who use e-cigarettes and say they vape every single day. Still, that's from 27% to 19% to 11%. Could it be that the laws and the changes helped? The American Heart Association expressed concern as well. The results show that the crisis of e-cigarette use among youth remained very much alive, even with kids spending large amounts of time at home during the pandemic. The Heart Association published a statement, with millions of children having returned to school this fall, immediate action is needed to prevent the sale of flavored e-cigarettes and other tobacco products, including menthol. I mean, all in all, the numbers are down. That's a good sign, I think. So I wonder if, though they're running these surveys, is it possible that there are more of these teenagers who are just lying? They're still using them, but because they understand what the hell's going on, that they're saying, no, we don't vape anymore. Gosh, no. Um, that is a possibility. I don't see why anyone would admit to it. Anyone uh, who had experienced what happened in the last few years because of the bans who participated in surveys um, clearly see that this is to their detriment if they want to continue vaping why would they why would they openly say in a survey that yes we are still vaping so chances are the 20 percent decline in the numbers of users could possibly be a little skewed some of them may have stopped some of them may have lost interest some of them may have just straight out lied about their use because they don't want any more aggressive action towards the industry. Um, all in all, what do you guys think? This is a lot of information in one day, but this is what's going on for this week. In a few days, I'll come back and I'll gather more information. Hopefully Google has some good, juicy stuff to share with me so that I may share it with you. In any case, what do you guys think? Leave your comments down below and subscribe if you want to. Thank you.